can kick your fancy ales, you can take them by the flagon, but the only food for the brave and true comes from the Green Dragon. Welcome to the Green Dragon Podcast, your weekly podcast about the Lord of the Rings and Hobbit strategy battle game by Games Workshop. I'm Jeremy, and with me is Kylie. Hello, everyone. And we're doing another one of our ask the listener questions we've done a lot of these of late and they've actually proved to be really popular much more than i expected i considered them Mm. initially as a bit of a cop-out but now we're doing them basically just to get the community involved and and the nice thing about them is we get really quality questions so i'm really looking forward to this episode surprised me the most is the quality of questions we have been getting yeah the first one i did there was a lot of joke questions the most recent one there have been some seriously good questions and Hmm. and i guess people have have liked our answers so so thank you so much for giving us our questions guys once again we'll give you a shout out with the questions because we they're really good here we go the first question from mr scott Field. He says, just taking one main hero with smaller no-named heroes. So is that a better tactic to get more models? So I think this is because recently for my Silmarilli tournament, I took Dwalin as my leader and then took two Grimhammer captains, generic captains. And people looked at that and thought that that might be a good makeup for the list. So what do you think, Kylie? I think it's tried and true. I think once when we first started to play the game, um, when we switched back into Warbears, that's what people did. They took, say, a Faramir. And a lot of the cheaper Gondor heroes just to bulk out the numbers to get the Gondor spam in. Same with goblins, you take your Durbers, your goblin captains, your shaman, and then you bulk out. Same with Mordor, you say take a Gothmog, then all captains bulk out. So, yeah, I mean, it's tried and true. I think it's for when you're either going to win the game with a massive hero, so like a dragon or an Aragorn or something mm. like that. Or you're going to win the game on troops. Mm. If you're going to win the game on troops, generic heroes do fine. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a weird question because it's um, Scott's asking how to get more models. So I think it's when you want to spam, but you don't want to spam to the point where you have a weakness and that you have nothing that can hold you up as heroes. So I think um, having a main hero like a Suladan, a Gothmog, maybe even someone like Caliborn. I know that used to be an old thing. Caliborn, basic captains, and then all the models you could poke a stick at. So, yeah, it's it's not bad. I like it from a theme point of view. When it's always the big, tough heroes fighting together with a handful of troops, it doesn't feel as right to me. I do like it when you get, like, like I had the fraction of the, the battle against the goblins where it's Dwalin and his Grim Hammers. I think that feels a bit more realistic to me than just saying Thor and Dwalin and Balin, which was what I considered in that army. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Yep. So I think it's it can be pretty good. I think it works well, especially if you're doing a lot of heroes that are with redundancy. So, say, Tarryl mm. and two Mirkwood Ranger Captains could be a good combination because they all do the same yeah, thing. Yeah, someone ran that at Arcanicon earlier this year and it worked pretty well as well. Yeah, you've got some redundancy. If someone attacks one, you've got the others to do it. So, it works well with similar types of characters. So, mm. don't don't disregard the no-named heroes. There's some really good ones out there. Mm, definitely. Uh, our second question is from Henry Kerr. And he asks, how long should a player specifically focus on one faction at a time? Okay, uh, I like this question because I've like I started off covering factions very slowly, and I'll actually focus on a scenario. So I'll build for the scenario, which is essentially two factions. Build that out completely. My answer now is until it takes you to, to paint the army, play with it until you paint it. Keep your motivation going, and once you paint that army, that's when you start thinking about creating your next one. So go for the faction until you finish modeling it all up and painting it. Yeah, I'm. I agree with that. I think. 
if you're picking up a faction, whether it be Gondor, whether it be Heradrum, whether it be Hunter Orcs, I think get that faction, get all the options for the faction, get all the heroes that you can take, try and convert all of them, get all the options, the troop options, and then paint the entire faction up. So that way, if you want to pull out that faction, you just grab the case and take it to your club or whatever, and you, you have everything there ready to go. I've done that with Khan, I've done that with Dalamroth out. And I'm doing it now with Magwood Elves. Yeah, I've done that with dwarves. I've done that with goblins. I've done that with elves. We could I've be here for a while. Okay, okay. I've done it with all of them. Yep. <laughs> Andreas Cavana asked, what is the green dragon's take on which generic hero is the best for its points? Best for its points. I just think which ones are the best. Let's go straight yeah. out for that. Why don't we just do our top three? Do our top three. Okay. Okay. Can you go first? Because I've got to think of some. Yep. All right. My three, ooh, I'll go with number three. I go with Captain of Rivendell on horse. So the one from Elrond's household. I think they're a bargain for what you get: bow, lance, shield, move ten, elf captain on a horse. That's oh, nasty. good choice. They are nasty. good. The second, I would go King's Champion. I think if there's a model in the game where you get everything for what you pay for, I think this would be it. You get two banners. Strength 5, Strength 6 Captain with 5 points of fate for 125 points. Dirt cheap, hands yeah. down, King's Chapman. I don't actually two. really consider him a, a generic one. Like, I feel yeah. he's almost a named character that doesn't have a name. Like, yeah. he's so But we good. have seen two of them around at tournaments before. I've yeah, seen no, you're right, um, you're right. Fair enough. That's the thing, you can take multiple. And my number one choice, I would definitely, hands down, put the Barrow White. Oh, Barrow White. Good choice. I have seen double of these. I've even seen triple of these taken. And I think four is a nice number for them. They're scary. Paralyze is arguably one of the deadliest spells in the game. So yeah, Paralyze, Paralyze is um, really good. Just quickly as well, honorable mention, Hasherans. They've seen a bit of a decline since there are, since um, the how might could be used now, but I still think they're a very solid choice. And in the hands of a master, Hashering can do a lot of nasty things. Oh, nice choices there. There's so many good ones. Okay, I've got my list here, and we'll see which ones I doubled up on. So I've got number three now. I've got the Grim Hammer Captain. I love this guy. <laughs> I think it's partly because I just had good success with him recently, mm. but he's got all the equipment you want. He can pierce he can two-handed pierce he can two-handed bash which is amazing on a captive at strength four he's got a throwing weapon he's got defense seven he's got fight four i believe fight five fight, fight five he's got everything i want a captain good courage he's a bargain for his points like he's about 70 points seems really good and he's matching it up there with with heroes he's a nasty surprise people never expect the grim hammer captains I like it. Yeah. Then number two i've gone for the hunter or captain now i've got a hunter or captain yeah. I call him Psycho. He's got a he's shaved his head. He's got his cape. He's wearing his underwear. He's got two picks. He walks up and they just like he, he's in a cage and they take him out of his straitjacket. He walks up to the enemy and he starts spinning around, piercing, bashing things. He's my answer to to basically is a suicide missile. You throw him at a, at a troll chieftain. You throw him at something and you've got a damn good chance of bringing it down. He is nasty. Yeah. I think he goes up to strength eight, up two or something with these Strength piercing. seven possible. Seven. Strength seven possible. Yeah, piercing. Yeah, that's Three nasty. attacks on foot. I put him on foot. And for what, 45 points? Yeah, he is that's, nothing. That's yeah. nothing. Um, you can give him a wag if you want and then dismount him later on. Use it to get him no, where he wants I to. I think 45 points. Keep him bargain basement. He's always my first drop. He goes right in the middle of the army and says, if anyone comes here, I'm going to rip them apart. And mm. sometimes you get the deployment opposite, like an Ent or a Troll or something really big. And he looks at that and goes, 
Yeah, I've got this. I'll I'm going to take go. it down. Yeah, I'll give it a go. And and look, he usually dies, but for 45 points, he can scare. Like taking on a 120 point end, it's scary stuff. Mm. And number one, I've gone for the Numenor captain. I, I love this guy. He does everything you want a hero. He's got great stats overall. He can have a horse, a lance. He can have a bow. He can have... He's so versatile. He's got all the equipment options. Shield if you want. Heavy armor if you want. And he's mm. just fantastic. He is the gem of the he, Numenor list. Yeah, he smells like uh, my Rivendell Knight captain. Yeah, I think with similar ideas there. Mm. Like he's just the jack of all trades, the hard-hitting character... A couple points of might just does everything you want, and mm. at a pretty good price. Like he's and from the Numenor army, that's what they want. Yeah, he he does everything. Yeah. I I love that guy. He can hold his own. Sometimes I send you off missions where he just goes off by himself, and if anything comes near him, he just rips him apart. Got any thrown honorable mention that you would have thrown him, but didn't yeah, quite. I I wanted to throw in the shield bearer uh, from the uh, was it Erebor dwarf list? Not Erebor. Um, uh, Durance folk. Durance folk yeah. list. I love Very, this guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, the thing I like about it is. A lot of people I see put him next to the hero, but you don't get value out of his heroic combats then because he has to move close to the hero. I set him on a flank, leading guys, and his job is to meet... He goes around the back and meets my hero in the middle of the army, and if he gets to my hero, I've won the game because the two heroes just crush your army and join together. So I think he does a fantastic job, mm. and you have to be clever with these... I think it's three inches of it. Yeah. yeah. It's tricky, but if you but, can master but, it... Yeah, it's you can set it up really well. Sometimes I call heroic combat with one guy so I can... Get it off next to him with the other guy, but I just think he's fantastic value. He's got the courage bonus. He's got a big shield. He's mm. just he's wonderful. And now yeah. he's he's got an axe as well, so you can use your attack power a bit better. Mm. Yeah, good choices. What's our next question, Jeremy? Oh, it's my question again. Okay, Scott yep. asks, "How can you combat monsters? Is rending and knocking down too overpowered? Is there a way besides striking up for the combat to combat this?" Ooh, that's a good question. Well, let's pull out the uh, old toolbox of how to fight monsters. As you've said, striking up is one way of dealing with them. Uh, magic, getting a transfix in there, surrounding is another way of doing it. But I think the other tried and true method, the halo. The halo. Circle them. It mitigates the damage from the throw. It means that you've got lots threatening them. Striking up is a good way of doing it, but I, monsters usually don't have many attacks. So I usually like the grind against them where, okay... In four turns, I'll beat you once. And that time, I'm going to kill you. And that might happen on the first turn. It might happen on the fourth turn. But I'm going to have a go at you, and you're going to kill two guys a turn. I'm okay with that, because I'm doing damage everywhere else. So I don't mind the monsters. I like them now, because they've got a roll. They used to be way underpowered. Yeah, I was just about to say, are they too overpowered? Well, from where they were, it's much better now. I think, yeah, they might have probably brought them a bit over, but... I think the reason why they seem overpowered is because people don't know how to deal with them now. They see a troll chieftain, they freak. They see Treebeard, they freak. They see Beyond, they freak. They see a dragon. Like, you see these big characters and you're not sure how to deal with them. But once you learn how to do it, I think their power is turned back. Yep. So, two main tactics i got for heroes is, one, avoid the halo. Just don't let them charge you. Second is throw multi-heroes in there. Multi-heroes get rid of, get rid of trolls and, and other monsters. All right, next question we have is from Hewan Thompson, and he asks, does a Mirkwood army composed of mostly Mirkwood armored elves and a few Mirkwood rangers sound viable, and what sort of heroes or strategies would you recommend planning to add a palace guard at 800 points as well? Okay, can I feel this one? Because this is, this is on my painting table at the moment. 
Um, yeah, go for it. Yeah, I've run the, the Mirkwood Palace Guard Army. So this is a different one. It's basically the 10-point generic elves, which I think is a bargain for 10 points. I love oh, yeah. the glaive option. The glaive is brilliant. It's, it is wood elf. It is yeah. so wood elf. You can spear, you can shield, you can... Two-handed two weapon. Hand it's weapon. everything yep. the elves need yep. in one handy glaive. Yep. Uh, the bowmen are just as good as normal bowmen, but I think mm-hmm. those you want to get probably, I would say 50% of them being those glaive guys because they're just so versatile. Yeah. Shields are going to be handy for the extra defense at times, but you don't need a huge amount because you can shield with the I other guys. at 600 points, three at 805. I would take a handful of palace guard because you need the banner. That's the yeah, biggest weakness, the biggest no banner. One. So you need some palace guards. Heroes, just take them as you like. The new Therindul is really nice, mm. but put in what you want. The, I, I think the gem of this list, though, is the cavalry models. They are a bargain. Elf cavalry for, what is it, 14 points? 16, I 16 think it is. is it? Oh, but bargain. You need to remember the hidden gem of those elf cav is in their special rule. And if you're taking them, you've got to take the new Thrandor. You have to take a Thrandor. I think this is where the army shines. You take Thrandor, you take a handful of those new cav, and that's, that is your hammer to the elf anvil that is the glaive and the bows. Yeah, so you're playing hammer and anvil tactics here. Sprinkling some bowmen. Take Mirkwood ranges if you want. Take armored bowmen if you want. It doesn't really matter. They both play the same role. Mm-hmm. Th- their job is to pull the enemy towards you. So they, they pick off choice targets. So they look at the leader and say, hey, leader, I'm shooting at you. And then when the leader goes and hides, you start whittling down the troops and they realize, oh, I've got to smash these elves in the head. They come mm. forward. Yeah. Cavalry darts around the side, hits him in the back, hits him in the side, whatever, hits him in the front. Who cares? And just rips through them with those bargain price cavalry mm. models. Um, you said what sort of heroes and strategies would you recommend? I'm going to go straight to the 800 points here. I think you need to go the Thrandall army. I think take the new Thrandall, the big end one. I think take the new... Mirkwood uh, captain because you can shield he's got a lot of versatility and I'd also take a palace guard captain normally I would say something else but I think if you can learn how to place Thrandall in the correct spot at the correct time those three heroes have such good synergy together yeah I think that's pretty good I would consider also a Legolas as well the new Legolas but mm. I'm thinking you're really low on numbers if you do that so you might want to consider dropping I like the palace guard because he, he is your ultimate tank he's a wall like he he ends up being, what, fight seven? Fight seven, that's why I said. But yeah. he's, he's going to be tricky because uh, Thrandall is on a horse in this one with some cav. And it basically means you need to, when you engage, you need to get the palace guard on one side of Thrandall with the captain getting in the fight six and seven. And you have the cavalry on the other side getting the banner re-rolls. And you want to keep your cavalry at a, a decent distance from Thrandall, actually, because... It's, I think it's a six-inch bubble. Six-inch yeah. bubble. It's so pretty big. So you've got a fair bubble. You can heroic combat with Tharendil to bring him into the bubble of the cavalry. And that so will throw people off. That will th- People won't expect that. So watch that one. And even when he's on foot, you can pull that one. It's it's a nasty army. It's it's a standard elf army. It's fragile. You have to be clever with it. But I cannot wait to play this army. It's going to be fun. Mm, I've actually got some on the way at Cheltenham because as, a, as some of you know, I took uh, Mirkwood to uh, Sill. So I've got some of these on the way. So looking forward to pulling them out myself. Yeah. yeah thumbs up from me. Likewise. Okay. Next one is from Scott again. With a lack of strength four for Erebor dwarves, what's a good tactic in using Erebor? Should they be allied with Durin's folk? Theme-wise and model look-wise, Dane being an old model, what's your thought on it? Okay, Carly, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first on this one? I think it's very, very, very similar to old dwarf tactics with the lack of strength four when you didn't used to take the Palaskar, uh, sorry, the Kazakar when you used to not be able to get them because they're hard to get. It's, it's surround tactics, usually heroes... 
Make sure you're in the good positions there. I mean, one of the great things about the new Erebodors is they have spears, fighting bottlenecks. Yeah. I wouldn't play them as a normal spear army. I would still play them with the old school dwarf tactics, which is basically engage pretty well as soon as possible, make a circle around the enemy. So you either draw the enemy towards you, so you can do that with your Groomhammer throwing weapons, or just push yourself forward. Now that you can deploy in the middle, it's, it's fine. Dwarves deploy in the middle, get into combat with the dwarves because they are hard to kill. Defense 6 is hard to kill. Defense 7 is hard to kill. Put them around there. Keep your spearmen moving. Mm. They can support your heroes. They can support your troops if you need to. Make sure you've got some banners in there. But they're a solid force. Don't worry about the lack of strength. Four, if you have to, do some piercing. But you don't even need to do that a lot of times. You can outgrind almost every army. Like, if you're against Urukai, yes, you might be going up against Defense 6. But so are they. So don't be afraid to, to circle them and get into the pikes or get into the crossbows. You, it's a strong army just by, by what it is. The main thing it lacks is the bowmen. So if you're going to ally something in, I actually just like the putting the, the archers, um, the archers, which are the, the men from Dale. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Our next question is also from Scott. When playing against flying models that can move fairly unhindered and throw and rend you, is it best to split your army into smaller units of three or five or clump up is to one big unit? Depends on your army, doesn't it? Depends on it what you've really got. It really does. It depends on how you plan on taking down these um, these eagles. I mean, if you're, or, or even fell beasts, or, or what have you. If you're, say, an all mounted army, yeah, splitting up, yeah, split making up yourself very speed. sparse mm. and stuff, that would be a better way of taking them. But if you're, say, a dwarf army or a goblin army, or, or a goblin army, clumping up together. But making sure that you keep networks open, little laneways and gaps so that you can hear us can duck in and call a strike if they need to. So basically, you, you, you make this circle with holes for your hero to fit in and the eagles or whatever will charge you. They have to. They have to get into combat. They have to do something. Then your goblin captain pulls around the side and traps them and surrounds them. Mm. Or you do that and you go for the kills where you can. I don't actually worry too much about the striking up against them. Because I usually find yeah, that eagles, they've only got two attacks. Yeah, eagles, I wouldn't strike up. If it's, a, say, a dragon, a gulliver, or a fell beast, I would consider the strike simply because Agreed. they do have the three attacks and the might to back themselves up. But with only two attacks, they're losing about half the time, to mm. be honest. So so just plan for that. Mitigate the damage with the circles mm. around them. And I find eagles fall really quickly. Mm. And just remember the anti-flying things formation as well, if you're a big clump. Yep, anti-flyers also go into forests. Yeah. Forests and buildings, they are your best friends. Yeah, areas where they can't get to you and just put the pressure on them. All right, next question from Scott here is on fire at the moment. What is the most opportune time to bash something rather than going out all on your strikes? Okay, my first reason, I'll go reason number one, when you don't want to kill them. When you want to knock them off a, a horse maybe and you don't want the game to end. So there's a lot of scenarios that end at 25% or end mm. at breakpoint. Sometimes you want to slow and get some more turns to move you guys onto objectives. Bash is brilliant because it's non-lethal and it hurts the enemy because they can't, they're slow. So you can bash them, knock them down and then run away from them. Mm. I think another time to bash is when you have a model that would be normally very hard to wound, such as a ringwraith on a fell beast. There's a couple of times when I've seen a Dwalin go to strike a fell beast when, you know what, actually bashing with your two-handed sledgehammer, so you're plus one, so you're six to six, you'd automatically kill the fell beast if you bash them off the off the yeah. fell beast. There's a couple of other times as well, if you're in a forward engage, by that I mean you're not trapping your opponent, sometimes it's good to bash to put them on the ground so that your other striker, whether it be like an Aragorn, I don't know, a Dwalin, or possibly even a Troll Chieftain, can then go in with the full attacks and try and kill them. 
this works especially well if you've got like another unit in the combat that's particularly hitty, so a piercing model or a two-handed piercing model or something mm. with multiple attacks that can really give you some value out of it. So it's one that I don't use a huge amount, but it's great to have it up your sleeve and it's, it's good to know that it's there. Yep. What's the next question, Jeremy? The next question is from Sean Crocker, who says, what should I take to Masters? Should I run Rum Lovers? Should my Rum Lovers make a second appearance? Oh, no. I don't know about taking the same army twice in a row to Masters. Yeah, I'm not sure about that, Sean, either. You podium it's... last time. Can you only use one army, or are you good enough to podium with a different army? That's what I'm asking. Rum Lovers use Corsairs. Yeah, I've seen a couple of your other armies there, Sean. I would like to see you bring your Easterlings along. I think they could have a really good crack at at the podium. No, I wanted to bring Easterlings. <laughs> no, I bring Easterlings. I'll bring something else. Fine. Yeah, look, bring something different. Show us you can play something that's not heavy shooty crossbows. Like show yeah. us, show you've got some variety. Think, Masters yeah. is a great time to show your versatility. Take something different and, and prove to us how good a player you are. Yeah, I think as well. I think people will be ready for your courses this time. They've seen it once. They know how to take it. I apart. expect there to be lots of what's the what's the ring wraith that gets a shadow lord, shadow lord and, and galadriel. Yeah, especially Gandalf. now with galadriel getting her new profile. In her Lady of Light, I think you might be struggling a bit more this time around with the crosshairs. So this just in shooting is not going to win Masters this time. Oh, don't say that. <laughs> we'll see. But but shooting armies have had a real resurgence. And for us in Melbourne, you can't go to a tournament now without some heavy shooting armies, some Merkwood Elves, some Range of the North, mm. some, some Uruk-hai. And if you do go to the tournament feeling a bit comfortable and not taking shooting, you need some seriously hard engage. Yep. So take something different, Sean. I want to see a new army from you. And, and you know you can win at the Corsairs. You got third last year. So go win with something else and, and, mm. and show off. Following on from that question from Nick Gentilly, is shooting underrated? It used to be. It used to really be. But I think people are starting to turn the corner on it. There's mm. People are harassing, like, orc armies now. I've heard people offering the advice and say, just take some bows. And I don't know where that's come from, but it, it worries me a little bit. because now, not, shooting... not trackers, because they can tend to be a bit of a liability. And a... But just orc bowmen. Yeah, just orc bowmen. You'll be surprised. Sometimes eight orc bowmen, all they need to do in a game is kill a hero's horse. Okay. My, my argument for shooting, I think if it was a magic power that allowed you to say hit on a 5+, plus and wound on a 5+, plus. you could take it for every model in your army for one point and it had 18 or 24-inch range, everyone will take it. It'll be amazing. That's the best magic power in the game. It does damage from far. You get to cast it for free each turn. Wow, I really want that power. But because it's archery, people think that their model is locked into being just an archer, and it's not. It's a combat model. How many turns does a game go on for? It goes on for as long as you want it. Shooting can go on for the whole game if you're clever. Shooting's amazing. I don't know that's underrated anymore. Mm. People expect the shooting to happen like fantasy in 40k where you take off entire units. No, shooting is something that takes a while to get effect. But the most important thing about it is it gives you positioning. It helps you position and it makes your opponent go where you want them to go. It controls where your opponent is and that's worth its weight in gold. So is it underrated by some people, but not by the people who know how to play the game? (laughs) James Stevenage says... Do you rate Thrain at all? What points limit should he be used at? And what do you think is the best way to use him? Also, what is the best faction I could use to support Erebor Dwarves? Thanks. Okay, firstly, oh, I'm going to ask... Please the, let me take this one. You take the Thrain part, I'm going to take the best faction. Oh, best faction is more Erebor Dwarves. Damn it, that's what I was going to say as well. <laughs> Erebor Dwarves are fine on yep. their own. James, I'll have a chat to you next time I see you. But pretty much, James, I think you need to... This is just advice for you at the moment. Stop thinking you need to ally your Merkwood 
elves into your dwarf list, just take dwarves. All you need to do is learn and master how to use the dwarf army and just push them forward, get them into combat ASAP. I've seen you in combat. You're pretty good at it. You just need to learn how to get to it. I th- Look, the first part was rate three, but we'll do that in just a moment. When I'm starting a new army, I take a simple army as I can. I will take the majority one troops. Most recently, I did with my Grimhammers. Like, it's take one troop type, learn to use that troop type, and you're fine. Then you can ally something in later that you think would help it out. But a lot of people try and do this mixed combo list that they think will cover each other's weaknesses, and the good players look at that and go, oh, there's dwarves and there's elves. Everyone go attack the elves. Kill the elves. Then the dwarves don't have any support left. Or ignore the bow file, stay out of their range or whatever. So watch out for the allies too much. The dwarves have a good list already, the Arable Dwarves. If you mm. want bow fire, go get a pack of the Warriors of Dale. They're, they're good warriors. They fight four across the board. They've got shields. They've got bows. They've got spears. They're good models. Their captains are great. Get those. Yeah, I very much agree with you there as well. I've tried a few different ally type lists and they're nowhere near as effective as the monoliths. The monoliths are good because everything is the same. It's redundant. I cannot stress how that is so important in dwarf lists. They're hard to pick apart. Like if you if you take something out, they're all good. Thrain, the other part of your question, good character. But all the dwarf heroes are. They're interchangeable. Take whatever one you yeah. like the most. There's none that are really that much better than the others. Yeah, Thrain is a brilliant character. He's got that awesome role for this really fast spread out. So you want to play long lines and Grimhammers work really well with Thrain. Same with your um, Dale Archers as well. They will also work quite well with Thrain. If you want to take Thrain, look at 600 points plus. Yeah, I would actually look at 800 points for Thrain. I think it's 600 even. I might stick to generic captains or maybe a cheaper one like a Dwalin or a Thorin, but... Yeah, I think I think at least six fifty and and then up for Thrain. Don't go for a five hundred point. He doesn't doesn't do enough then, but I think at eight hundred points he really carries his weight. The next question is from Cody Suado. He says, "How do I optimize deployment? How do you optimize deployment?" Oh wow, this is a very very big question. Well, um, we're already going on the twenty five minute mark, <laughs> so let's do the short we'll try, version. We'll, we'll, do, we'll do the short and sweet version. This is the whole show. Yeah. Um, deployment. Basically, you want to be able, when you put down your models, you need to have an idea of where they're going to go yep. and also an idea of where your opponent's going to go. So when you put down your army, think, how do I achieve my objectives from the position I'm in? Do I have a position I can fall back to? Do I have a position where I can follow up into? And where are the objectives are on the table? Think about all these things when you put your army down because being able to retreat is very important and also being able to go aggressive is important. I actually do something very simple. I look at the opponent's army and say, is that army going to outshoot me? If yes, put my whole army in the front and engage them. Is that army, if I'm, am I going to outshoot that army? If yes, put my army back and get a couple turns of shooting and then re-engage. And that's all I really do. Back if I'm going to shoot them, forward if I'm going to do that. If I'm going forward, I compress my army to a pretty small amount. So then I, a march is really good value. So I can march them forward and throw them right in their face. Jesse Heisby says... How do you play bigger games in a succinct manner? My friends and I get burnout after big games, 750 points, because we can't play them without taking all day or at least the better part of the day. This is a bit tricky. I think it could be because you're inexperienced and you're taking a lot of time to look up rules and stuff, or you're probably chatting a lot too. Is uh, One thing I knew, know when we first started playing was a big thing. We used to uh, talk a lot and not be 100% on the rules. So it could be just being out of practice. Or it could be that if you're experienced, it could be that you're overthinking things. 
and you're taking taking too much time. A lot of the games led by the person with priority that keeps the speed up. I think you're either not getting the games to end quickly because you're either not putting yourself into a position to kill quickly. So this is getting traps. This is engaging. This is getting results and doing things with your heroes. Or you're, you're unsure of the game. Maybe play some 300-point games and just get really used to the rules and see how you go. Because honestly, a 750-plus point game should take about two to two and a half hours on average, I would say. Yeah, and I suppose um, one old trick that me and Jeremy used to have when we were playing in tournaments is if, say, we had a uh, an hour and a half time limit for tournament, we were thinking about, okay, the first half of that time, so the first 40 minutes we would spend on positioning and getting into the right spots, and then the next 40 minutes was all about combat and yep. rifling through it. I think that's the other thing as well. You just got to get into that motion, just rinse and repeat, and just being able to grind out those rolls. Yeah. And look, you have to you have to just get rid of David's power-up-the-dice tactic. So please don't <laughs> pick up your die, throw it off the table, pick it up, throw it off the table, pick it up, and then try to roll the six. It really slows the game down. We've had a lot of people try that of late and have very good success with it, but you have to pick your moments only for important combats. Next question is from Harry Danilis. Do you think an all-foot Rohan, Outriders, Royal Guard, and Red Shields army would work, or do you think Rohan is at a loss without its horses? And also we've got Jeremy Entwistle's question about looking at Rohan for masters. Should he take all mounts or a mix of horses? Which is the same basic question, I think. So we can put these two together. Rohan is a very versatile faction. They can work on foot and they can work mounted. You just need to be able to play them the way they need to be played and they work differently for both mounted and all mounted and hybrids i think more than most armies rohan rewards the player who practices and plays with them a lot because you've got to know when to go forward when to go backwards when to go sideways when to throw your throwing spears when to avoid when to shield so practice with them will really get it take the one that you like the most because mm. they there's all work no, there's no bad choice in the rohan list everything is good Everything is good in that yeah, list. Yeah, no, there's nothing, nothing duds. And don't worry about overdoing that. I actually like to just spam the generic ride of Rohan. I think that's an amazing troop for 13 points. So take whatever you like and, and just learn to use them. Yeah. Our next question from Harry. When and where, game-wise, would you use Faramir, Captain of Ithilien, the model with the shield? So I'm thinking the heavy armor version here, not the... Uh, Bow one. Is this the one on horse with the? I would think so. It seems very. Uh, the captain of Athelion is the yeah the old yeah very combaty, on horse with lance and shield and that sort of thing. I think it's actually a. Uh, it's an old profile, isn't it's it? An old they've, profile. They've linked yeah. it in. Yeah. So it's now just Faramir, I believe, and yep. he gets the woodland creature rule. So I guess we'll answer when would you use him on horse? And I guess is when your army needs some extra combat punch. He's yeah. a good combat ha- character. He's great in combination with, say, an Oskilia veteran army that, that teams yeah, off him. I was about to say He that. goes well with Boromir. He goes well on his own at a mid-level character. He's he's a solid he's character. He's a very versatile character, and that's you really can't go wrong. If you want to take him, take him, and in any form, he's good. Yeah, I think the most popular are either the Ranger one or the Horse with Lance and Shield one. And last question for the night is Sean from Sean Rosado. How much can terrain placement affect your deployment and game plan? Oh, another big one. This is a loaded question and a half. I know. They know us too well. Okay. Basically, if you use terrain well, you'll win the game. If your opponent uses terrain better than you, they will win the game. Terrain is... It makes or breaks you. It does. It's very simple like that. It can make or break you. Some of it's very obvious. Like if if I'm work with elves, 
I want forests and moving through forests and getting in the ways in forests and all that sort of stuff is great. My Elven Cloaks activating in forests is great. But it can be as simple as saying things like, there's a rock there. That rock is impassable. If I use that rock to anchor my flank, no one can ever get by it, ever, ever in the game. So I'm going to pivot around that rock and I'm going to refuse my flank around that rock and no one's going to ever get through that rock because that rock is my rock. And same things with walls. Many times I've baited people into attacking me at wands. Actually, yourself, Sean, have actually charged me out a wall. You make it look like the wall is the weak point in the army and then they bounce because they can't hit you over the wall. Very simple things. Terrain has a huge impact on the game. And if you're unsure about how to use terrain, play with terrain. Go fight next to a forest. Go fight in a ruin. Go fight next to a wall and fence section. See what happens when you do it because that is the best way to figure out how terrain affects the game. And I recommend if you're wanting to learn how to use terrain, make a very dense terrain board. Like go go like the rule suggests with the 33 to 50% or whatever it is and actually work out how much it is. It's heaps of terrain. It's more than we play at most tournaments and get used to playing in small corridors because you'll find some amazing effects that you never even realized and it can make the battlefield much bigger than you think it is. It can make it much smaller than you think it is. It can bog people down. It can give you shortcuts. It can give you defensive walls and make you the strongest army in the world. It can make you the weakest army in the world. It's amazing. Play with lots of different terrain. Mm, and watch out because masters, you will be seeing those thirty-three to 50% terrain boards happening. Oh, yeah. You watch the terrain at masters. Thank you very much for listening, guys. I think I might close the show there now because we're out of questions and we're out of breath. So hopefully some of that helped you and it wasn't just our crazy ramblings. Thank you so much for listening again. If you like the show, please give us some reviews on maybe iTunes or whatever podcasting app you use on, maybe SoundCloud, whatever you can. We want to get the show out to other people. And I know I don't usually ask this, but please spread the word out. We've had a real growth in our community of late and the, the game is going strong. So keep pressing that because if people play it, we get to play more. So that's my little community service message at the end. And remember, traps and terrain win games. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Green Dragon Podcast. Please be advised that the Green Dragon Podcast is not suitable for children, the elderly, pregnant women, those with a history of heart conditions, or anyone expecting to receive worthwhile advice. You can contact us on the Green Dragon Podcasts at gmail.com. Yes, it has an S at the end. Or our Facebook page, The Green Dragon Podcast. We do not claim ownership of any works based on J.R.R. Tolkien, New Line Cinema, Warner Brothers, or Games Workshop. This podcast is purely for entertainment. The thoughts, as rare as they are, are solely that of our hosts and guests. Farewell, listener, until we meet again.